What's up, you guys, and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and today we're going over everything going on in Week 7 of the NFL season. We got three of our top stories this week, especially starting off with the Cowboys' three-game losing streak, which included a loss to the winless Jets. The winless Jets. Jalen Ramsey and Austin Corbett being traded to the Rams. The Rams making some early moves before the deadline, which is supposed to be in two weeks. And Miami looking to trade Kenyon Drake. I'll discuss that. Now, on top of that, we're going to do something new here and do some predictions for games this week. And tell you what, who we think are going to win. There's 13 games being played this week, and there's a couple tough ones. But I'll break them down and tell you who I got winning. And for the debate topic of the week, we got a little twist coming on, so I'll explain that when we get there. And on top of that, to close it out, our winners and losers of the week. So, without further ado, let's get it started. Starting off with the Dallas Cowboys here. Let's think about this a second. They're on a high horse. They go 3-0. and Cowboys fans are ecstatic saying that this is their year. We're going to the Super Bowl. We gotta make it this year. It's the only place we could go. But, you know what? After watching the last three games, I am so glad the Cowboys are losing. See, no offense to Zeke or Dak, but the egos of fans are out of control sometimes. And we all know this. There are plenty of fan bases where we see egos take over from reality and kind of blur what we already know. So the fans aren't realistic to the team's expectations. They create a bar so high every year that it doesn't seem like it's surmountable. I mean, especially this year. I thought the Cowboys were going to be a favorite to win the division. I thought they were going all the way to the playoffs. But based off what I'm seeing early now, with the developments being made, oh yeah, I might have to take that pick back. Unfortunately, I will have to take that pick back. But nonetheless, I have to take the pick back. It's my only choice here. Plus, Go on top of that with all the injuries going on here for the Cowboys, especially with Amari Cooper now hurt. That hurts a lot. Leo Collins is back in practice, but at the same time, does that change anything? You're going into Philly now. And you had, I mean, you you, you played, let's look at the teams you beat. You beat Miami, which was close in the, after the first half. And then you had Washington, and you had the New York Giants. All easy teams. Then you start playing the tough teams. And that's where things go downhill. All of a sudden, the Jets were tough for you. I don't know if it was because Sam Darnold came back or what, but the Jets' offense looked like something I had never seen before. It was like something out of a movie. And I think it's because the pass defense is bad. I think the secondary is a lot worse than what we thought. I told you Jeff Heath was a problem. I told you Jeff Heath was a problem. But okay. I know nothing. Anyway, Cowboys are now sitting at 3-3, three and three, tied at first in the division for the NFC East with the Eagles. This is a big week, a big game. That's why it's on Sunday Night Football. But the question is, can they turn it around? 
I mean, I don't know, honestly. It's going to take a culture change or a change in attitude to get that. Because when you're a coach and you see your team start going on a down streak, you want to find ways to invigorate and create a momentum and a mindset, a new one, that helps them realize we need to keep this up. We need to win. Not necessarily win, but play hard and play honestly. And I don't see that from Jason Garrett. Something happens like, all right, all right, let's move on from it. Okay, cool. That's a good idea. Move on from it. But at the same time, don't forget the mistake you made. I think Jason Garrett's coaching ability is what's hurting the Cowboys. They have so much talent on that roster. Unbelievable talent. But Jason Garrett's holding them back. After all these seasons, watching Romo transition into the era of Prescott, it's just been something inevitable and we saw coming. They have the pieces. They have what they need. The question mark now is just why? Why is it all of a sudden falling apart right now? What's causing this? And honestly, I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. I wish I could. But in true fashion, I'll tell you, I think Dallas might pick it up later on. It might take um, a bye week to fix that. But we'll see what happens. It all depends on how Jason Garrett gets his squad invigorated and back in action. Moving on to the next story now. The LA Rams made some big deals on uh, during this week to see what they're going to add. And one of them was a big name by the name of Jalen Ramsey. Apparently, Marcus Peters was sent away for draft picks. Which is a good idea. And that helped. And we were all sitting here scratching our heads like, why would they do that? Earlier in the day, they did the same thing with Austin Corbett. They landed Austin Corbett from the Browns and gave him draft picks. So now they have an offensive lineman to add to help protect Goff to make him look like a better quarterback. Which should be happening, like the Browns should be doing. Except they just traded a good offensive lineman. I don't even want to go into the Browns right now. I'll save that for the end. But you keep looking here. Okay, so now Goff has some protection. Then now you have $5 million extra in cap space. What do you use that money on? I don't know. Taking on the contract of Jalen Ramsey, the man who wanted out of the Jaguars organization, and he got it, finally, in a trade that actually helped give the the Rams exactly what they needed. A lockdown corner and someone that is known to invigorate defenses and create energy, a positive energy to keep the team motivated. Right now, the Rams are struggling. They're having a hard time. And the last thing you want to do is get negative energy in there. So right now, positive energy is the way to go. So a positive mindset will keep things flying and flowing perfectly. So landing Jalen Ramsey was very smart. There was another deal that was done with the Ravens, and they got um, in return they got linebacker Kenny Young. That was the Peters trade. They sent Marcus Peters to the Ravens and got back Kenny Young, a linebacker, to add to the core, which isn't bad because he's kind of like a bench guy starter. He's a decent linebacker. I'm okay with it. The Rams need a lot of help on defense. That was a defining factor last year for the Rams when they made it to the Super Bowl. This year, it doesn't feel the same. And I think that comes in part to the Rams offense. Sure, you have Cooper Cup now. But the thing is, the run game's not working. Run game's got to get kicked up. you got to watch this team slowly dig themselves out. And when that happens, everything will be better. But right now, hasn't happened yet. 
For me, this was good deals for the Rams. You got a player back who's better than Marcus Peters. No offense to Marcus Peters. And you add an offensive lineman you needed to help give golf time to make plays on offense. So maybe improve scoring opportunities. And getting a linebacker who can help out and fill the role of Clay Matthews while he's dealing with his injury. Until Clay Matthews get back, that is. So in the meantime, you got a guy who can fill a spot. It's a good deal. All around, great job from the Rams here. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. So the Rams made a lot of moves, and a lot of them were pretty much good, for the most part. And for the last big story, this came in hot on Thursday morning. I got reports from an insider that Miami is shopping Kenyon Drake. I'm sure you've all heard the reports through Instagram, but I can confirm for you Miami is exploring offers, and you have to think about teams now that need help in the running game. Teams that could really use a running back to help push things further. Think of teams that are known for a passing game, but just need one more element to help complete the entire offense. Because Kenya Drake is not a bad running back. He's really good, actually. So you have to explore all your options here. One team that could really use it would be Buffalo. But at the same time, Buffalo will never get a deal done. Because Miami's their rival. Miami isn't going to do it unless it benefits Miami. And it, trust me, it ain't going to benefit Miami. They're going to want draft picks back. And the Bills need them if they want to keep building around Josh Allen. And their young defense with Ed Oliver. It's important. They need their draft picks. On top of that, other teams you might be able to consider, the Bengals, now that they're struggling with Joe Mixon. He can't stay healthy. He's not performing the same level he ca- he was before. Same with Giovanni Bernard. He's not doing the same for them. He's not doing anything. So why not? It's a good offer. It's a good deal. Proposition. Um, AFC South, I think you could possibly go with... You can't go with the Texans here because their run game is still working, even without Lamar Miller. Because Carlos Hyde. Be surprised how good of a workhorse he is. Titans can't go with them. Indianapolis got an established running game. Maybe the Jaguars alternating with Fournette. Sounds like a good idea. You have a you have a one-two punch. You got a nice guy who who's speedy. You can utilize him in the passing game. Fournette can churn out the yards, you know, if he can stay consistent with that and not look like Barry Sanders one week and then look like one of the worst running backs I've ever seen in my life afterwards. I mean, there's that. Um you could you can go through a lot of options here. But I'm naming all AFC teams. If I was to jump into the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could definitely take him. And it's not because I'm, it's not because of bias here. I'm just telling you, they could use him, definitely. The run game, starting to pick up a little bit with Ronald Jones, but not enough. Peyton Barber may need to go, and you could take in Kenyon Drake to alternate with him. That'd be a pretty nice deal there. Maybe give up, and maybe give up uh, one of their members on defense for it. Um, in the West, you could possibly go with Arizona. I mean, Arizona, even with David Johnson, they're still not doing well. And no offense to the guy they got last year, I think it's Chase Edmonds, if I'm correct. But their run game is not good. They need a lot of help. And help is definitely what they deserve. And by the way, the same goes for the Falcons. Falcons were supposed to have a good year with Devontae Freeman. But apparently, we found out quickly how important Tevin Coleman was to that team. Losing Tevin Coleman has become something that the Falcons need to get over. But they haven't been able to. Why? Because 
Tevin Coleman, it was just something else. The one-two punch between him and Freeman, you never knew who you were going to get and what you were going to expect. That was what made them so good. But now that you split them apart, now it's more predictable because you know Devontae Freeman very well. You sent him to San Francisco. And now San Francisco, which by the way, I did fact check this. Top three running attack in the entire NFL. Yes, top three. Behind pretty much the Ravens. That's really it. It's impressive. It's very impressive. So, pretty much you go off that. I could easily say to you the Ravens are fine. I could say that the 49ers got the better part of the deal landing him. Him and Breda and then Mostert together. Oh, it's amazing. That's a group you wish for. And they don't have Jerick McKinnon either. You have three good running backs. Plus an underrated one with Raheem Mostert coming out as like a third string guy who's getting reps too. It's amazing. But the Falcons can't get anything done, even with Ito Smith as the backup. So maybe sending Kenyon Drake to Atlanta would work out well for them too. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really just spitballing here. I think the best fit probably be Atlanta because they need to take pressure off Matt Ryan. And adding Kenyon Drake would definitely help that out. So I think best fits would be teams like Atlanta and Arizona who could definitely use a running attack, a stronger running attack. But hey, that's going to go with, that's going to end all of our articles for this week. That's all the big stories, which now leads me into your favorite segment, the new one, predictions. The prediction segment is now going to be from now on, unless you guys say otherwise, that you don't like it. We're going to do record predictions now. So I'm going to go from now on game by game and tell you who's going to win what. So, of course, I'm not going to do the Thursday night game because it's probably being played by the time I air this. So, Thursday night, we already know who's playing. Kansas City, Denver. I won't go into that. I was going to keep it easy. Chiefs should win this game. Give Granted, Mahomes doesn't get hurt. But let's jump into the games on Sunday and going on to Monday night. For Week 7, you have the San Francisco 49ers going against the Washington Redskins. Keep in mind, the second team I name is the home team. So, they're going to be in Washington. Washington has not been good whatsoever all year. We already know this. There's no denying it. So, is it really that easy to say that the Redskins are going to get demolished? Hell yeah. Let's go Niners. Niners get the win this week. They're going to move on to 6-0. and Next game is actually a very tough one. The Arizona Cardinals versus the New York Giants. The Arizona Cardinals have not a, they don't have a good defense really. It's not really that good. But hey, neither do the Giants. They're pretty even, to be honest. But now you look into the passing game, you look into the run games. Arizona's run game is completely terrible. But hey, so is the New York running defense. New York's run game is incredible. And the Arizona run defense is horrible. So Giants got an advantage there. You go to the passing game. Arizona on top of the Giants right now. Mainly it's because the Giants got injuries. Maybe, depending on if Saquon and Ingram come back, I don't know if I could see the Giants win this. Their past events is one of the worst in the NFL. I don't know if I could say that. I don't know if I could stick with that. Um, If you were to ask me who gets the advantage this week, I'm going with Arizona. Pending injuries. By the time I air this, we have no clue who's gonna who's out, who's in. So I'm going with the wild. I'm going in wild here based off what I'm gonna guess on, and say Kyler Murray gets the win in the Meadowlands. 
Houston goes into Indianapolis. So Texans versus Colts in Lucas Oil Stadium. Interesting game. Interesting. With uh, Brissette going on against uh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has been having an MVP season. No doubt about it. He's the example of peak performance. What you want out of your quarterback. A star quality. He is the man. That offense is killer. Especially the passing game. As long as DeAndre Hopkins gets open and you incorporate him better in the passing game, which I haven't seen in the last three weeks, you'll be fine. Last week was a was an exception. But otherwise, you got to incorporate him more. As for Indianapolis, Brissette has to, get, has to make big plays happen. If he doesn't make the plays happen, there is no winning these games. And that needs to be understood. See, Indianapolis is a good team. The defense is not as great as it was last year. But, Brissette has more time in the pocket than I've seen from a lot of quarterbacks this season. So, with that being said, I believe it's safe to say that we add, that we consider the talent and the skill of the Indianapolis Colts here. So, you got to watch out for that offense, especially that run game. That run game is top five in the league, especially for the Colts. But, you also got to go with the fact that the Texans have been performing top five as well. So this about, this pretty much comes down to which offense is going to overwhelm which defense. Both defenses are not great, honestly, especially especially the Colts. The Colts, I think, are just a little bit better than the Texans, though. I don't think that's going to affect much. Based off everything I'm saying right now, I'm going to go with the Texans over the Colts in Lucas Oil Stadium. Which now brings me to the next game. Oakland Raiders versus Green Bay Packers. This is going to be one hell of a bout. And I'm not kidding about this. I'm not joking. You need to look this over and watch it carefully. Because John Gruen's going to come in with his team coming off a of bye week. They're going to be hyped up. And their defense is looking great. Great. Let's also go here with Green Bay here. Aaron Rodgers passing game's finally picking up. That run game still needs a lot of work. And the Raiders have a great run defense. So they can exploit that. The Raiders have a great run attack with Josh Jacobs. There is a lot of reasoning here and a good case to say that, hey, the Raiders will win this game. But the there's only one problem. It's being played in Lambeau. You know, Rodgers' safe space. His place of excellence. His place of history. It's only right to say here that Green Bay is going to beat Oakland. But expect this to be a close game. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the difference maker here for the Green Bay Packers. Going into now the next game, we have the Minnesota Vikings versus the Detroit Lions at Ford Field in Detroit. I could easily say here, make a case for both teams. The Detroit's defense is not good. But Matthew Stafford is keeping this t- offense top 10 passing-wise. The run game, average. It's not it's not bad, but it's a, we understand now why they're two two and one. Should be three one and one, but I won't go into that because they did make mistakes. Doesn't matter what happened in the game. Doesn't matter what blown calls there were. You got to stand there. You got to have a stand. You got to hold the team back and stop them. It's that simple. Doesn't it? Obviously, isn't simple when you have to execute it, but it's simple to understand. So, Detroit's going to play Minnesota. It's going to be in Detroit. 
Kirk Cousins is finally finding his groove ever since the comments Thielen made and Diggs requesting a trade. And it depends on if that keeps up. If that happens again and they stay consistent, this is Minnesota's game to lose. Their defense is great. Their, their, let me tell you one thing. Their passing game is now peaking and their running game is still top three. It's top three with Dalvin Cook. So there should be no reason the Vikings lose this as long as it goes well. Passing game goes well. And with how bad Detroit secondary is, there should be no reason the Vikings lose this game. I'm going Vikings over the Lions. Next game here, we're going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the reason why for the Jacksonville Jaguars is simply this. That Bengals defense is one of the worst I've seen in the last two years. They need a lot of work and a lot of fixing. They're not getting pressure. They're not stopping the run. They're not shutting down the passing game. They're not doing anything. I thought they'd be better than what they are right now. And they're not. So, you know what? That's just Minshew's ability to just exploit that. See, Jaguars defense also is disappointing. But not to the extent of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, we knew you weren't going to be good. But we didn't know you were going to be this bad. So, honestly, fine. Jacksonville's going to win. And watch, Minshew goes over 300 yards passing. You heard it here first. 300 yards passing for Gardner Minshew. Heading into the next game, Miami versus Buffalo. The Miami Dolphins take on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. This is Buffalo's game. That simple. Buffalo wins. I'm not going to go into the extent of that. The Los Angeles Rams go on to Atlanta to Mercedes-Benz Stadium to take on the Atlanta Falcons. This is a big game for the Rams. You just got Jalen Ramsey. You got Austin Corbett now. You're aiming to change this game. To turn around your season. And right now, you're going to need a lot more than just those guys. You're taking on Atlanta. One of the best passing games in the league. Despite having their one win record. They are better. They are a lot better on paper. Okay? No matter what it says on their record. Statistically, they are very good on offense passing wise. So you gotta watch out. And I think even, even though their passing game is so good, I think having Ramsey changes the game around. And that's why the Rams will beat Atlanta in Atlanta. So LA will beat Atlanta. Another team we're gonna watch is the LA Chargers versus the Tennessee Titans. Very good game. It's gonna be at the Nissan Stadium in Tennessee, Nashville. Um, honestly, they're gonna start Tannehill. We don't know how well he's going to do. When he filled in for Mariota, he was doing very well. So that's a, that's a positive. He was doing very well. So as long as he can get this offense charged up with the weapons he's got, he sh- they should win this game. Yet again, the Chargers, one of the top run defenses in the league, one of the top pass defenses in the league, despite not having Adrian Phillips or Derwin James. It's very surprising. But they're still very good. And the only thing that's holding them back, really, in their passing game, again, really good. Their run game, top 15. It's not bad. They can get, It's going to get charged up real soon. But the thing is, there should be no excuse they're losing these games. So, to me, there should be no excuse the Chargers lose this week. Chargers beat the Titans in Nashville. 
which leads me to Baltimore versus Seattle. This is my pick for game of the week. This is the game to watch. The Ravens versus the Seahawks in Seattle. Baltimore has the top run game in the NFL. They have a top 10 passing game in the NFL. Their defense is top 20, which means they're average to above average. So that's not bad. But again, neither is the Seahawks defense. They're not the Legion of Boom. They're just, they're just not good. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Their defense isn't good. This is a chance for Baltimore to exploit. But there's one thing we're forgetting. Not having Will Disley is going to hurt the Seahawks, but not as bad as what Russell Wilson will do to make plays happen against Baltimore. To me, this will be one of the most contested games you see this season, possibly top 10 of the year. So, with that being said, I say Seattle wins it in a nail-biter in Seattle at the Century Link Field. The next game you've got is the New Orleans Saints versus the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field. Depending on whether Trubisky plays or not will depend on whether or not this offense will revive itself. Their run game, not really there. Surprisingly, it's not really there. Their passing game, bottom three in the league at sitting at number 30. You're looking at their defense and it again, top 10 in the league on both ends. So, they're going up against the New Orleans Saints, aiming to take down Teddy Bridgewater on a hot streak right now, ever since he took over the job for the St. Drew Brees. I don't believe he's lost a game, except for the one against the Rams, early on when Brees first got hurt, back in week two. And with that being said, I believe that Teddy Bridgewater goes in there, and as tight as that game is going to be, I believe he will pull it out and win. Teddy Bridgewater and the New Orleans Saints win a close one against the Bears in Soldier Field. Which leads to the Sunday Night Football Game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas at the AT&T Stadium. Big game, defining for both teams. Winner is the now the new division leader of the NFC East. Big game here, you want to see... An excellent performance from both sides. Dallas on a three-game losing streak. Philly on a hot... Sh- they're doing well right now. They're trying to kick it up right now with Carson Wentz. Get that run game going with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. They're trying to do everything they can. Right now, I have no clue if Deshaun Jackson's going to be ready for this game. He missed another practice. So I can't tell you what's going to happen. But I'm going out there with my best judgment here and using my IQ and telling you the Dallas Cowboys passing game is great, but not having Amari Cooper will hurt them a lot. And Michael Gallup is not a great guy to rely on, honestly. Keep going off of that. Ezekiel Elliott, feed him as much as you want. But the problem is, if he can't get by with the offensive line he has, he will not do well. The Eagles' run defense is not the worst. They are an, a subpar run defense. They are not impossible to beat. Their secondary is weakened. There is a chance to exploit that. But without Amari Cooper, you cannot properly do that. Expect big numbers this week from Jason Witten, as he will be relied on heavily by Dak Prescott to get yardage. As for Philadelphia, you're going to see Carson Wentz go in and attempt to change the game. The Dallas Cowboys defense is nothing like it was before. 
I assumed they were going to be a good team going into the season with the defense they had and the players they have. Vander Esk, Sean Lee, I thought they'd be a great squad. But unfortunately, that is not the case. They are average on both ends. Which means you have to find out which, what team are you going to get? What offense are you going to get this week from the Eagles? That's the defining factor here. And to me, I think you're going to get the offense that gives up an interception or two, has a couple turnovers, you should say. And Dak Prescott takes advantage of that. And that is why Dallas will win and get a rebound. This is their rebound game, and they're going to end their three-game losing streak to go to 4-3 and three and have sole possession of the division lead in the NFC East. So they will go to 4-3, and three and the Eagles will fall to 3-4. and four. And now, the Monday Night Football game between the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Wait, did I read that right? Of course I did. The New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Should I even bother talking about it? I mean, I understand the Jets beat the Cowboys last week. I get that. But you're playing New England. Sure, Brady had a couple down games recently. But that doesn't mean you're going to walk in with the defense that's not even really the best in the league or even top 10. It's not like you're going to walk in there and just shut him down. You know, one of the top five passing games games in the entire NFL, top 10 rushing attack, top 10 defense overall, top 10 pass defense, top 10 rush defense. It's not like you're going to stop that. I don't care if you have Le'Veon Bell or not. <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere. Where's Bell been this season? You got Sam Darnold coming back, and they have a habit of choking leads in the second half. So they almost lost that game to Dallas. Keep that in mind. They almost lost it. There's no way the Jets win this week. I can't see it. I've been trying to find scenarios where I see Tom Brady losing to Sam Darnold, and I can't see it. Unless they find a way to force turnovers off of Brady, they're not going to win this game. That's the only way you beat the Patriots is making Brady, having Brady make mistakes. And at his age and how wise he is, it's going to be really hard to pull that off. Nonetheless, the Patriots win this week over the Jets in MetLife. So, those are all the predictions this week, so I'll do a quick review and run over of them again. San Francisco tops Washington in Washington. Arizona tops the Giants in New York. Or should I say New Jersey? Houston tops Indianapolis in Indianapolis. The Green Bay Packers win at home against the Oakland Raiders. The Minnesota Vikings top Detroit at Ford Field in Detroit. Jacksonville beats Cincinnati in Cincinnati. The Buffalo Bills will win their homestand against the Miami Dolphins, for sure. The LA Rams will pull upset on the Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz, and it's not really an upset because the Atlantis have one win. The LA Chargers will win over the Tennessee Titans in at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. The Seattle Seahawks will win their biggest game of the year against the Baltimore Ravens. The New Orleans Saints will walk into Chicago and pull out a victory. The Dallas Cowboys will win prime time to snap their three-game losing streak. And New England will obliterate the New York Jets, barring any turnovers from Tom Brady. And move on to 7-0. and So that concludes the prediction segment. 
Which now leads into the debate topic of the week. Which is where I've been waiting to get to. Because there's a little change up this year. From now on. I don't know how this is going to go, so you guys let me know. But from now on for debate topics, I'm going to do change my mind segments. You've probably seen them around the internet. They make political memes and stuff, but I thought it'd be interesting. I But I thought it would be interesting to incorporate that idea of change my mind, put out a bold statement, and ask people to change my mind. Rather than just put out a question and say, hey, give an answer, debate about it. I'd rather create a statement that'll create a response, that'll force you to have to write something, because of course you need to write something. Are you kidding me? You're going to think that my statement's outrageous. Which is why this statement this week is going to blow all of your minds. Indeed it will. So, here is the change my mind statement this week. And you can attack me if you'd like. 49ers fans prepare. You've probably heard this before. But I'm going to say it out loud for the people in the back. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. But in all honesty... Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. Here we go. Let's start off on a hot note. Woo! Let's get it going. All right. Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated to me. See, at first I look over, you can look at the record and you could easily assume that the San Francisco 49ers are successful because of him. But go to the stats and I'll explain to you what he is. He's basically a copy of Brady. What do I mean by that? Let me sh- let me explain. Now, the difference between Brady and Garoppolo is that Brady only he gains he gets more yardage every season and gets better every season. Jimmy Garoppolo happens to stay at the same level and that doesn't have to do with a strong QB play because Brady always has strong QB play. Garoppolo does not. In some terms, you could say he's mediocre. Yes, I know Niners fans want to rip my head off, but I'm going to keep going anyway. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo currently sits at 23rd in the NFL in passing yards. No, I did not make up that number. Jimmy G is 23rd in passing yards. Now, I understand that passing yards are different from other things. I understand that part. And I truly encourage that yardage is considered when you do stats. Because they do mean a lot. Except for Baker Mayfield because there's more into that. But, Jimmy Garoppolo, sitting at 23rd in yards, that's not a good look. It shows your passing game should be a lot better. His QB rating is 13th. And I mean among qualified players. I mean under qualified. And what I mean by rating is... um. Oh yeah, that's right. His rating is sitting at about 95 point something. It's not really great. It's not a good number. It's above average. Or maybe about average. It's a, good, it's a decent number. But it's not top of the league. It's not. And that's the truth about Garoppolo. He's not top of the league. He's not top of the league material yet. Yet. Because keep in mind, he's young. There's still opportunities out there for him. There is one thing though. There are a couple things I do see as a positive. Among qualified quarterbacks, he is 5th in the league in completion percentage. 
That's a very good thing. When your completion percentage is high, it means when you throw the ball, you are accurate. Which is what the 49ers absolutely needed. They needed a guy who wouldn't turn over the ball much. Speaking of which, on top of that, scoring opportunities for him, seven touchdowns, two interceptions in six games. I mean, in five games. I mean, come on, guys. Really? You got, you got to, you got to understand. He's not a guy who's going to be prolific passing and throw deep into the end zone every time. He doesn't have the strength for that. At least I don't think. He's just good at making plays happen and getting the first downs. He's a game manager. He's not a big play quarterback. So he's good at completing the passes. He reads the defense as well, gets the pass out, makes sure to complete them, and get the yardage needed. And the other thing, he's third in the entire league in first down percentage, which means every throw he does, what is the likelihood he gets another first down? The percentage of passes or completions where he gets a first down. He sits at third in the league. Which is a very good, very, very, very good stat. I I very much appreciate that stat. It's a very important stat when it comes to running games and creating game plans. So, I like that. But the point of the, the fact of the matter is, Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't get the job done. Sure, he manages the game and runs down the clock. Great, that's something he's supposed to do. But he relies on a great run game with three different good running backs without even their starting back there. And behind a defense that ranks top five in every category. I mean, you I want you to tell me that I'm that I'm crazy. That the 49ers are not a good team. I mean the 49ers defense, ever since Jim Harbaugh left, that team fell apart. I mean think about it. Jim Tom Sula couldn't get anything done. Chip Kelly couldn't get anything done. Now they bring in Kyle Shanahan after two years of rebuilding and reloading, he finally got the defense he wanted. But the thing is, now he needs the offense to go with it. And he got in the running game, but not in the passing game yet. So, with everything I've said so far, I think it's safe to say, Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone talks about how great of a quarterback he is. And I'm not taking that away from him. I want you to understand, I'm not taking away from the fact that he's a good quarterback. I just need you to understand that Jimmy Garoppolo should not be as hyped as he is. He is a game manager. And a game manager is all he is. Okay? Marcus Mariota ain't a prolific passer. Look at him. He's on a bench because he couldn't manage the game. Jameis Winston ain't a prolific passer. I don't care if he had that 60-something, 70-yard touchdown the other day. Okay? He's not a game manager. Doesn't make the plays happen. He doesn't control the game the way he should. Who else got to go with Josh Allen? He's got a strong arm. Okay? But he's inaccurate. You don't have to have the strongest arm to be a good quarterback either. Okay? Look at Tom Brady. He doesn't have the strongest arm anymore. But he still gets the job done. That's why his team is undefeated. Okay? We say for the people in the back. You don't have to have the strongest arm to be successful as a quarterback. You don't need that. Go back to the old Cam Newton. He didn't throw very well. Didn't throw very far. But he got the job done because he was a game manager. That's how they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50. Think about that a sec. With all that being said, again, Jimmy Garoppolo's overrated. Change my mind. If you'd like to change my mind or make an attempt at it, state it out on, say it out on Twitter. At T Statsman. 
and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. I'll be creating a post so you can make sure to follow that action and comment. Or even DM me if you want to. I really don't care. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Just comment something and you will be featured in next week's podcast. That I promise you. So next week's episode, I will make sure you are featured. So remember, best comments get featured. So make sure to comment on those posts and DM me. Which now leads me, unfortunately, to the final part of the podcast. Oh, man. The winners and losers are traditional ending to every podcast episode. As you know, one team winner, one team loser, and one player winner, and one player loser. Now, keep in mind, that individual could be a player, a coach, a GM, an owner. Who knows? But we're going to start off with the team winner, then go to team loser, player loser, and end with the team winner so we can end on a positive note this week. So, team winner this week from week number six. This is a tough one. I'm going to have to go with the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Minnesota Vikings deserve that because of what they did against Philly. They were in Minnesota. It was a tough game. Everyone thought Kirk Cousins' game against the Giants was a fluke when he had when he snapped out of it. He walks into he walks home to Minnesota to go play the Eagles, and what does he do? He drops thirty eight on him. Come on, man, that's what I'm talking about. Finally incorporating Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Even if Dalvin Cook wasn't getting the most yardage, it didn't matter. You know why? Because you had a passing game to pick up for it. And that defense finally got the chance to breathe. And now look at you. Now look at you. You guys are sitting at 4-2 and two and you're all happy and bubbly. It's exactly what you want to be right now. And let me tell you, your fantasy owners are very happy too because you got them points on the receivers that needed it. So, thank you, Minnesota Vikings. You completely destroyed the Eagles secondary. And you made that defensive front look like babies. And that was something I found a lot of satisfaction in. So, with that, I mean, come on. The Minnesota Vikings deserve that one. You guys deserve that winner spot. As for the losers, though. Let's get serious now. The team losers... There's a multitude to pick from. I could talk about how the Cowboys lost to the winless Jets with a quarterback coming off mono. I could really go there. I can go into how Miami lost to the Redskins on a failed two-point conversion. I could talk about the Bengals moving to 0-6 in a close game. There's a lot of places I can go with this. But where am I going? I'm going to go to a team who's sitting at 2-4 and four right now, shaking their heads, wondering what the hell is going on. And who am I going with? I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, they are my loser this week for teams. You went to play the damn Steelers. The damn Steelers. No Big Ben, no Mason Rudolph. You're playing against a third-string quarterback. Devlin Hodges. Oh, my God, Devlin Hodges. 
Oh, somebody save me. Somebody spare me. This was the Chargers game to lose, man. And what happens? Devlin Hodges has a day. He goes off and torches your top five defense. I'm sorry. But I'm about to go off here. So, I gotta put my hat to the side. You let Devlin Hodges take over. You let him take over and destroy your top 10 defense in the league. Not only that, but Phillip Rivers couldn't even get the ball going. I don't know what it is, but that pressure that the Steelers were bringing was something else. I don't know what it was. But nonetheless, a veteran, a future Hall of Famer like Phillip Rivers should definitely be able to manage this game. Especially when you got Keenan Allen on the side as your top receiver. Are you kidding me? Come on. And your run game. The run game even. Look, I saw an opening happen for the Chargers. Eckler had a chance to go down for 20-25 yards. What happens? A defender missed, and because of Eckler not reading situations right, Bush came up right behind him off a block, wrapped him up and took him down before the first down. When it could have been a 25-yard run. Come on, man. Gotta get this right. You don't lose to a third-string quarterback. That is embarrassing. Now look at you. You're tied with the Broncos in the back of the division. You need a win. And what do you do? You choke it. You lose it to the third string quarterback. It's unbelievable. And you know what? Let me on the on this on this note. Let me jump into the players now. Who I gotta jump in. Baker Mayfield is my player loser this week, and I'm jumping straight in on this, okay? Look, I like the kid, okay? He shows a lot of promise. He shows a lot of promise as a franchise quarterback. He has his moments. He had a moment last season in his first year. He enters his sophomore year, and I can't recognize him. And you want to know what I mean by I can't recognize him? This is what I mean, okay? I'm going to read his game stats against Seattle, which the Browns could have won. They could have won. But interception cost in the game, and Wilson won. So, let me just go off that. 22 for 37. Not terrible, but not good. That's still below 60%. That's about, if I was to be accurate here, that's maybe just short of 60% completion percentage. Below average. For 249 yards, not a good look as a quarterback. One touchdown, three three interceptions. Three interceptions, but that's not all. His passer rating was a 59.4. I'm sorry, what? A 59.4? Come on, man. You can't do that. No, 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 but no. This is, this is where it gets good. So you choke that game, your lead, to the Seahawks, who now win it and go on to hold on to their lead in the NFC West. And making Wilson look like the MVP, which he is. That's the top MVP, which he is. But now you make him look like a glorified god. 
So let me just expand on the fact of how bad Baker Mayfield is this season. Now, granted, they just, they're having problems with their offensive line. So he's getting sacked a lot and he's getting under pressure and dropping back all the time. So I understand to an extent. But it gets to a point where you've got to get that ball out. So let me put it this way. Baker Mayfield, so far this season, is 112 for 198. That completion percentage is 56.6. You heard that right, 56.6. Okay? Okay. He has, so far, just short 1,500 yards, pretty much. About 1,500 yards. It's 1,496, but... Let's say 1,500 yards. Okay, that's great. Great yardage. Top 15 in the league in that. I think it's about 13. Five touchdowns. I'm sorry, what? Five touchdowns. Okay. I'll make the exception. I hope he didn't throw that many interceptions. 11 interceptions. 11! You heard that right. He threw 11 interceptions! 11! He has more than double the touchdowns he has. His passer rating is still a 66 somehow. But again, the point is, he's not performing. You know what? Let me put this on a completely different level. Okay? Let me put this on a completely astronomical level here. Alright? There is not in six games he has played this season... Baker Mayfield has not had more touchdowns than interceptions in a single game. Yes, I am saying the absolute truth, and you are hearing this right. He has had not one game where he had more touchdowns than interceptions. And that's your franchise quarterback right now? Look, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the offensive line. or the way, Freddie Kitchens drew this up. But my God, you've got to fix that. Because right now, I don't see him becoming the future and saving this franchise. The biggest mistake the Browns made was not keeping Greg Williams. Keeping Greg Williams would have kept this team afloat. And right now, I ain't even see close to that. I could go on over this all day. But the point is, Baker... If you want to prove you're the franchise guy and you're the future, okay, for the land of Cleve, for the Brownies, okay, you need to step up and take over. I don't care if your offensive line is completely gone. I don't care that they just traded Austin Corbett and you now have no offensive line or protection or help. I don't care anymore. The point is make the plays. Do it yourself. I don't care. Okay, stop doing play actions. Okay, stop trying to escape the pocket. Trust yourself. Use your legs, which I've seen you try to do when you haven't got much because you do it late. When the defense, when the linebackers can move back up and read you and know you're going to run. You do it too late. Now, keep going off of that. Run short plays. If you know you're not going to have time to stand, make sure you run short plays underneath like the Brady effect. Short plays, get the ball out, and get the first down, or at least get something. Get a few yards. 
Maybe you'll get an opportunity to get a big play downfield. Who knows? But the point of the matter is, find a way to win the games, whether it means changing your game plan or your strategy or whatever. Because right now, this isn't working. I had complete confidence that you guys were going to make the playoffs and make a deep run. You need to make that run now and fix it. And I feel bad for the fans who were confident in you in turning this team around. Fix it. So let's now switch to the happier note now that I'm pretty much going to lose my voice for tomorrow. Kyler Murray is my player winner of the week. Now, this is an oddball pick, but it's for good reason. You went against the Falcons. You made it a high-scoring affair. It got close towards the end, but you pulled it out. Kyler Murray finished 27 for 37. Great numbers here. For 340 yards, three touchdowns, and a passer rating of 128.2. Beautiful game for Kyler Murray. The top five performance of the week among quarterbacks. Only behind pretty much Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston. I think he was number three. It was a great game, and I couldn't be happier with the way Kyler Murray played. He played like a real number one pick, and that was that was all I needed to see. Cliff Kingsbury did a great job making that selection. The Cardinals organization, I'm very proud of you guys. You guys are now sitting with two wins on your record. You're sitting at 2-2-1 two, two, and one also, just like the Lions. You guys aren't all that bad. And now you're going up against the Giants. Gives you a chance to get to a winning record. I'm sure that's something you guys really want. So, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I'm impressed with Kyler Murray. And I can't wait to see where it goes from here. I really like how Arizona's running things. I don't know how, but that heavy attack in the air and using Kyler Murray in option situations and QB runs works. And I think it's because you're best utilizing him in your system. So, with that, yeah. I'm happy, and he deserves the player of the week here. The winner of the week. Player, at least. You know what I mean. The player winner of the week. So, with that being said, that's going to conclude this episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everyone.